Join us on MMA FanCast. We are going to recap UFC 206. What a card that was. We're going to talk Donald Cerrone and Dana White. They finally got a chance to sit down and meet about MMAAA. What's that all about? UFC Fight Night Albany. We discussed that along with Tyron Woodley calling out Nick Diaz. Is Goldberg going to be out the door? And we preview UFC on Fox 22. Join us now. Welcome back to episode 12 of MMA FanCast. This is your host, Ryan Middleton. I am here with the man, the legend, the oldest human being that I know, Jim Sahara Mooney. What's up? What's up? What's up? Well, we are here after a amazing... An absolutely amazing weekend of UFC action. We had fights on Friday night. We had fights on Saturday night. And let me just tell you, we talked a lot on this show about UFC 206. And um, from a casual perspective, there was not a lot of excitement. And I got to tell you, this is... If you missed UFC 206... You should be very upset with yourself right now. Shame on you. Because you missed an amazing night of fights. Quite possibly, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say back to back, I'm going to go on record and say, to my memory, I have never seen two better fights back to back on a card in my life. And then the uh, the main event. Don't forget about the main event. That didn't even include the main right. event. Right. So to, to have potentially any one of those three fights could have been fight of the night. An, on a normal right. card. But what we saw, that was, it was unbelievable. It is, that's one of those fights that you could easily sit down and watch over and over and over again. And we're talking about Cub Swanson and Duho Choi. Just an amazing... I mean, that was the type of fight where after a certain period of time, you just say, they, they can't keep doing this. This They're going to f- trail off, and they just can't keep doing this. Yeah, there's, somebody's just going to fall over from exhaustion. And, and they just kept doing it. They kept... They fought. So this was a stand-up battle, and... Let's be honest, if this was the the fight of the year, now it may or may not win fight of the year. If it doesn't win fight of the year, it'll simply be, be because it it wasn't the a championship bout or like a big bout. And it was a big bout. We got a we got a, a scrappy Cub Swanson who always brings his A game and and has has been, you know, through um, everything in MMA, and then you have the young lion who, you know, this boyish smile, and he comes out, and I mean, that first half of the first round, it, it did not look good for Cub. It did not. And wow, what a performance! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go as far as to say, if you did not watch, you and I've never advised anyone to do this. But if you did not watch UFC 206, this is the car, This is the one time I will say, go ahead and order the pay-per-view a day or two later, three days later. It's that good. Yeah, this is like our, um, like we're movie critics and we're reviewing movies. This is one you could go to the theater and, and watch it several times. Come out, pay a second mission and go back in. It was... It was that good. As a matter of fact, while we were watching it, I said to you after the first round, I, I just want to see that round on a continuous loop. Yeah, because who thought we would see round two to be like that? Then, I mean, we, it, 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 was it, was, it was a thing of beauty. Um, if you're a longtime MMA fan, think Bonner, Griffin on steroids. 
I mean, this was just a barn burner fight that, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've been going off on it for four minutes now. No intro to the program because all I want to talk about is Cub Swanson and, and Choi just battling that. that uh, no, that's the thing. Do you call him Choi? If you're just saying his last name, do you call him just Choi? I don't know. It is. Is it Duho? Or do you call, or do, or do call it Ho Choi? I don't know. I don't know if Duho is his first name or if it's Duho. That kid has a lot of a great future ahead of him. Um, I don't know. Did you see how old he was? He's 25. 25. So he's a he, young stud. He is a young stud. And he, I'm going to tell you, you're standing across that cage from him and he smiles at you and he looks like a little kid and he. And then he gets to fighting. And they, they said something like this on the broadcast. But he gets to fighting, and boy, does he get to fighting. Yeah, he's not a physically impressive individual to look at him. He doesn't have this ripped physique. He's, you know, big kid. Well, he, and, he's, and, he's, sure, he he's is. He's not overly, he's not right. like your, like, no body fat. He's a fit kid. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that he showed last night was heart i mean if you take away his skill leading up to it and you just watched his fight and didn't know anything about him what you saw was somebody who who number one could take take a blow i mean some of those those blows that swanson threw were that should have knocked him out yeah and he was obviously knocked back up against um the cage but he was just taking shot after shot and stood there and then he was able to give it back. And I think part of what um, was a benefit or maybe motivation for that fight was Cub Swanson and some people considering him to be a stepping stone for Choi. Well, and some people to be considering him to be, you know, he's been through this. He's on the... On the on the downside of his mm-hmm. of his career, and that wasn't the case last night. No. Although I will say this, that's the kind of battle that that's the kind of war that some guys never really recover from. That's the kind of fight that you know you put so much into, you put so much of your body into, you put so much. I mean, it's just that much of you goes into a, a, a war like that. That it changes you, and and I've seen it before with other guys, and and they never really look the same. I'm hoping um, this opens new doors for Cub Swanson. I was fairly indifferent to Cub Swanson as um, as a fan. You know, you know, I thought he was a great a great talent, scrappy kid, always was, even back in uh, you know his days in the WEC mm-hmm. and and all of that, but. Um, Watching him go out there and just lay it all on the line. I mean, he nailed Ho Choi with some serious shots, and Ho Choi did never looked like he was out of it. No, and that's when we were watching that. Um, Terry Dactyl was with us, and who is I, who is absent from us tonight? He is. Terry Dactyl has an early. Um, he has an early bedtime. Well, he has an early... What is he? Is he flying out tomorrow or he just has to get up early? Um, I don't know. I think his, I think he, his binky... He wouldn't stuck. just get up early for no reason. I mean, this is a guy, yeah, I think he be. wakes up his... um, You know, their servant comes in, wakes him up at yeah. like noon, I think. Yeah, yeah noon, yeah. Has, That's uh, only on a work day, though. Yeah. 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 Because you don't... You know, somebody like that, you don't want to wake up too early. So he called off today. <laughs> um... But so there will be no Terry Dactyl here. Terrydactyl.com is probably not going to be here as well. I think Terrydactyl.com handed in his resignation. He gave it up. He's retired. And that's a good thing. Cuz for real, will be no longer be with us. Down the drain. He was the better of the two Terry Dactyls, I got to tell you. I think anyone will agree with that. Well, is there really quality on either, either one of them? Well, I mean, of the two, I think .com had him sm- smoked him. I did look forward to his uh, 
his casual fan posts. Yeah, the, the all of them were. Did you say posts, or did you was that plural? Oh, no, there were, there were two. That's right. Oh, okay. So yeah, over posts. So we do have um, UFC 206 brought us a brand new interim featherweight champion. And that is none other than Max Holloway, who went in and was fought a great fight. Uh, he, he showed a good um, combination of patience and aggression. Um, he was patient when he had to be and aggressive when, when he needed to be. And um, uh, I think he fought a great fight. Pettis, um, Pettis had a really bad weekend. He did, you know what he he didn't look good at all. It almost looked like he was I don't want to say disinterested, but it was after probably about the I'll say the midway of the first round. I just I I had hope for seeing Showtime, the guy that you know had um had really burst onto the scene and made a name for himself and was like a highlight reel fighter every time he went out there. But once Holloway, Holloway was just, he was on a mission. And he, he wasn't going to let uh, Pettis get in his way of getting to that um, or solidifying that number one um, spot and facing the paper champ, um, which I thought was kind of funny how he called him out after the fight. But Pettis did not look like he had that fire in his eye. And he really wanted this, and and maybe a lot of it has, uh, has to do with the week that he had leading up to it. Well, even yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about is Anthony Pettis. Um, in case you are not aware, he missed weight. He was uh, basically got down as far as he was going to possibly get, and was still a pound and a half over. So that led, and, and when he he had rehydrated after he had given up on making that weight um, of 145, he from his corner he was down to 146 and a half. This being a now a title fight, he had to get to he had to be 145, and so um, he rehydrated a little bit and was up to 148, which is three pounds over when they weighed in. And lost 20% of his purse as well as um, was not eligible um, to be the interim champion. Would not necessarily have gotten first crack at the paper champion, Jose Aldo. Waldo. Jose Waldo. And listen, we call him the paper champion. Uh, We shouldn't even say that. He's one of the best all-time fighters. I just don't think they should have crowned him the champion without um without fighting for the actual without unifying the belt so i understand why they did it um jose aldo is a great fighter but you know the person they stripped of the belt smoked him in 13 seconds so it's it's hard to see him be uh declared the champion instead of there be a uh, battle for that um so, yeah, Pettis had a bad weekend. He missed weight, lost 20% of his purse, broke his hand. He think, he says it was on the first punch in the first round, his right hand, which was a big deal. He was not himself. He tried doing a little bit um, from the kicks. But once we knew, you know, once we heard in the in the first, um, first intermission, yeah. first um, break, uh, what do they call that? Uh, in between rounds. That's what I call it. Yeah, but they don't have the... Anyway. First round intermission. Yeah, so after the first round, when we realized that he had broken his right hand, it was painfully obvious. Oh, yeah, yeah. At, after that point where you realize, hey, he's not throwing right hands at all. Like, none. And, you know, watching before that, I did not notice that. You know, you're just looking at him showing a... Uh, variety of strikes but it was clear once you knew and uh he wasn't throwing that hand out there at all yeah and when uh when they had made that um when the 
commentating team had talked about that. We did start watching that, and I thought what he could have done was at least thrown it out there as a jab, to to you know, so he didn't tip his hand to um to Holloway. Because at that point, Holloway's got to notice I'm only getting lefts. That's all he's throwing. I'm only getting lefts, and he's staying away from it. And even the way that he was holding it, hindsight being 2020, you could see that there was definitely an issue. Even if we hadn't heard uh, them go into the corner and give us that audio when he was walking up and and talking about that, you know, I'm sure that he was maybe thinking. I got to try and fight through this, but I'm going back to what I said before. I don't think that he wanted to be there after that. And maybe, you know, that pain sitting there in his hand, he knew that that was probably it for that, for that fight. You know, maybe that's where he just kind of shut down mentally. Yeah. We have, and, and, and not to change the subject, but we had a, a great time live tweeting during um, all of these fights and if you are on Twitter, uh, follow Octagon Twenty Four Seven. Our Twitter, we 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 are very active during fights, giving some uh, analysis, some play by play. So, and and actually some comedic um, episodes from yours truly, James Sahara Mooney. He yep. is not just Sahara like, but he actually can have non-dry sense of humor that's as well. true i i'm taking time off from my national tour to just to do this just so that we can get this going and keep it going just to do this yeah we believe it or not we had one of the two of the greatest knockouts in in a long oh. time. And we haven't even talked. That's how great this card was. We have not talked about two of the greatest knockouts. Both head kicks. Both amazing. And we haven't even brought them up yet from last night's card. UFC 206. We had Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Back at it again. He doesn't like to take much time off. That's for sure. Yeah, Joe uh, Rogan said in the ring, you're going to take a, a, a week or two off and come back and do this again. I think he was you know, just making a, a joke about 207 and being there in case Dana needs. And Cerrone wasn't joking. He was, no. He, he was yeah. talking about being at 208. He was talking about Brooklyn. Ah, he talked. Okay. He, he said 208 sounds, he said something to the effect of he, he wanted to fight in Brooklyn. Because <laughs> he didn't get to fight at 205. Yeah. So he can only, you know, he wants to fight at 205, 206, 208. Why don't we just have every numbered card be a Donald Cerrone card? You, you know, it might be, yeah, Donald Cerrone number one. So Donald Cerrone and Matt Brown, this was this fight was truly a, a battle. These guys went back and forth. Matt Brown showed stand-up ability that I didn't think he'd be able to hang as long with and look great. Look very, he had Cerrone in trouble multiple times. He had he threw some huge body shots that had Cerrone hurt. So uh, I don't think he landed anything uh, really clean to the head um, or face to Cerrone, but he was he was a beast in there, and, and standing up with Cerrone is no easy task. Well, he did have the the one shot. It was a uh, um, a straight right that knocked uh, knocked Cerrone down, mm, and I yeah, don't know right, if right. that was. Um, I was thinking about it afterwards, and it was definitely a solid shot. But I didn't know if Cerrone saw it coming and started moving back to try and um, juke that fight or uh, that punch, but. He didn't do a very good job, if that's what no, he didn't, because he took it like a champ. He took he took it well, <laughs> but that fight was really going back and forth. These two were going at it. It was a war. Finally, what round was it when Cerrone got the win? Um, Cerrone knocked him out, I believe, in the third. Yep. Yeah, I, I was thinking third too. So third round, Cerrone lands a. 
huge walk-off head kick that almost decapitated Matt Brown. Matt, uh, it was a walk-off. So it was very Mark Hunt-like where he kicks him and and just didn't even go in for the kill, which to me, when someone when someone knocks someone out and doesn't go in, that is so hardcore. That is just it's just sweet when you know when you know he's out. Yeah, and for for uh, Brown though, that's got to be a stinging defeat because he had a lot to say before that. There was the um, uh, the weigh-ins. And he didn't shake his he hand. He didn't shake his hand. And I think he wanted to make a statement. And to some degree he did, you know, saying that he, you know, does still have some relevancy in that weight division. But for him now, this is the fifth loss in his last six bouts. Yeah, it's three in a row he lost, too. Yeah. So where does he go from here? And Well, that's the question. So he's not... I don't see him being a casualty. I don't see him being cut. He's he's too much of a putting on a good show, putting on a good fight kind of guy to cut. But what do you do with them? He's not in title content. I mean, this is a guy who was in number one con- title uh, contention not too long ago, and now you're you're really looking for what's what do you do with him? He's got some uh, some. Some big victories. He, uh, what is it? Uh, Wonder Boy, uh, Eric Silva, um, Mayan, who we saw last night. So he has the ability to to step up in the big fights, but I don't know. Right now, his record. If you just look at his record alone and the numbers, it looks like he's a middle of the road fighter. You know, and somebody who could fill in and. Um, in the you know the middle of the card, bottom of a uh, main event, but beyond that, you know he I, I can't see him ever really being a serious contender in that division. He's he's definitely you know somebody that I enjoy watching. He puts it all on the line when he's out there. But I think you know when it comes to one through ten, he's I, I don't see him taking any one of those spots anymore. And getting, you know, close to a sniff of a title shot. Well, he's been around for so long and been, you know, a top level, top ten kind of guy um, for such a long period of time that that that'll be hard for him to accept that he's not that guy anymore. Potentially, um, he's not exactly young. He's in his mid thirties, uh, so you know, I, I'm sure he he could still have a couple years of fight fight left in him um i think he's just gonna have to get um comfortable with going from being a a a fight or two away from a title shot to that not really being um what he's going for anymore all right so then we go over to cerrone um who we talked about this briefly last night when we were watching it so what happens to him now i mean this is somebody that who is a consistent performer and on top of that, he is ready to go at the drop of a hat for Dana. Since, um, let's go, going back since 2014, he's got 12, 12 fights. 12 fights since 2014. That's, that's a hectic schedule. And the guy is not only on top of, not only 12 fights, but he's got 11 victories in those 12 fights. And and the only loss coming to RDA, who was at the time, um, this was for the lightweight championship, and at the time RDA was was really peaking, and and he was truly in a good place, uh, both physically, mentally, all those things came together at at that time for RDA. I don't, I'm not certain that. Um, how that rematch would look, I, I I think that Cerrone would definitely it would definitely be a different fight. Well, RDA didn't look so good in his last. RDA fight. hasn't he looked, looked good in a couple fights. Yeah. So, but I mean, he's also still fighting the cream of the crop. He's fighting the top, the tip top guys, 
Um, whereas I wouldn't say Matt Brown is that anymore. Although he he looked great until he got his head kicked off. Um, true statement. True story. So, um, I think Cerrone. Where where's he? Where does he go from here? Well, you know, in his uh, standing in front of him, he's got um, he's got to sit back and watch uh, Wonder Boy and uh, and Woodley and see what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen at the top of that division? You know, I think the guy is completely deserving of a title shot, but I don't know if we're going to see a, a rematch of Wonder Boy and Woodley. I'd love to see that. And after that fight, I became a huge fan of Wonder Boys. I'd love to see that rematch. And if Woodley can come out on top, you know, Cerrone will probably have three, four fights in under his belt since, you know, in between that time with the pace, the schedule that he keeps. So, you know, he's always going to be ready and and willing to go at a moment's notice. So, for I, him... I, I, I have a plan for Donald Cerrone. Hear me out here. Beef Stew's got a plan? The, the plan is Donald Cerrone fights, does whatever right now. McGregor comes back and you have McGregor Cerrone... That's the type of fight that in tree at 170 before now I don't think the UFC goes for this, right? But who wouldn't love to see Cerrone McGregor at 170 before McGregor gets a title shot while that while that rematch is going on and you know all those things are being worked out we hear McGregor might be 10 months away from from fighting yeah. again. But I think Cerrone, maybe, who knows, maybe Cerrone by the time McGregor gets back has the 170 belt or has had a shot at it. But I just think that is a fight that a lot of people would like. I think Cowboy would love that because he's he has publicly stated um, his disdain for McGregor. And that's that would be an interesting matchup uh, because both of those fighters have the ability to chop down their opponents with leg kicks. Cerrone, we even commented that he wasn't doing that. Um, he started a little slow with his kicks, and then of course he ended it with a kick. Um, but yeah, stylistically, that would be. An interesting one because and neither one of them really want to take it to the ground. They just want to stand, correct, and and there's, try and knock someone's there's head off. There's bad blood. It's a money fight. It's it's Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor one. That's what that fight is mm-hmm. right now. Although if they if it does go to the ground, um, they both have some pretty strong ground and pound in their repertoire. So in their what? In their repertoire. Oh. Interesting. You know, we will put this on octagon247.com. It'll be in our um, dictionary section. You can go there and check it out, and we will have the definition. My dog will. It'll be in our repertoire. It'll be in our repertoire. Um, I'm surprised that you could say that. Because you're not you're not good with anything that has that's not you know less than five letters. I'm not good with See? names. I'm not good with. Like foreign names, so I just use their first name in a lot of instances. Be- well, I think that's repertoire. You're uh, uh, one I'm of your- fine with vocabulary. Cormier. I mean, I'm. <laughs> See, that's a name. <laughs> it is. It's, it's Cormier. Uh, it's well, well, that's that's true. It is Cormier. Oh man, I wanted to say uh-huh. the wrong one because. You got it right. Well, we had that. We talked about that last night. No, but I always try to make sure I say the wrong one. But now, then, I, since I've been doing that, I get confused now. You don't know which is right. Yes, <laughs> I've like tried to convince myself, like I gotta make him mad and say the wrong one all the time, and now I don't know which is which, so I have to like think about it again. Um, last fight I want to talk about from last night's card is Kelvin Gastelum and Tim Kennedy. So, 
Tim Kennedy took two years off, retired, came back. Um, I'll tell you this. Tim Kennedy did not look like Tim Kennedy that left. I'll just say that. Um, Not the same fighter. Now, that could be one of two things. One, it could be because he was off for two years and was rusty. Or two, that could be because he's not the same fighter he was two years ago. He's mid-30s. That's about time when you uh, very possibly could lose, um, you know, lose that lose that edge you you have. And so that's the first thing I want to say about that. Kelvin Gastelum, on the other hand, looked pretty good. He did. He 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 looked pretty good. He pretty much handled Tim Kennedy other than like the first two minutes. This is where he should be fighting. But he said he wants to fight at 170. I don't get it. Yeah. This is where it became clear to me that that welterweight is where Tim is where um, Kelvin Gastelum belongs. So speaking of names, though, you used to call him Kevin. No, I I said it one time. You said it several times. I think lots of people are guilty of that. No, oh, that may be. But yeah, he um, he looked he looked impressive yesterday. Yeah. Did I say welterweight? I meant middleweight. Middleweight. Middleweight is where he should be. He's he's <clears throat> refusing to believe that. Listen, three times missing weight out of seven fights is completely unacceptable. He's saying, oh, I'm going to dedicate my myself to blah, 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 blah. You looked fine at middleweight. I would, I would, I don't know. It was a... Maybe he's walking around at 185. If you're walking around at 185, there's no reason why you can't make 170. I, I just don't believe that. So, anyway, um, I just have a problem with him not making weight. I don't. If I'm Dana White, I'm saying, dude, you can say you're at one 170 all you want, but I'm not booking you for a fight for that. No, it, it doesn't make sense. Because it's not fair to his opponents. It's not fair to, like, there's so, there's so many reasons why I'm angry that he thinks he should be fighting at 170. Well, it's a common occurrence now that fighters are missing weight. Pettis missed weight, and uh, and Bisping. Well, Pettis missed weight, missed weight for the first time ever in his career. Sure. After he went down to 145 and. The first time he did it, he said, "Okay, I can't make that weight. I'm gonna, I'm going back up to 155." That I can respect. Right. This Gastelum missing weight three out of seven fights, and insisting that that's his weight class, is infuriating to me. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for the UFC to allow it. Somebody who has that track record, three out of seven, that's a high percentage. You know, if maybe if you missed like two out of your last ten. You know, but three out of seven, that's and, and and the way he did it with the last fight at two oh five was to me seemed like it would have been a no brainer for the UFC to say, Look, we're putting you on notice and if you want to continue fighting with this organization, we gotta see consistency. You're gonna fight at one eighty five for we'll say the next eighteen months. He was too embarrassed to step on the scale. He was too embarrassed at 205 in Manhattan to step on the scale. I'm sorry. That's unacceptable. And I why did the New York Commission let him let him out of his suspension? Wonder I what don't the know. deal I wonder, don't know. wonder what the happenings were there. Maybe the UFC gave him some cashola. Yeah, something uh being worked behind the scenes. Um but back to his performance. Um, and then what he said afterwards um, kind of brought me back onto his side. Um, I'd love to see him fight again. I just want to see him fight at 185. Yeah. And I think that's a div- division right now where he could go in and make some noise and, and be a serious contender in that division. Yeah, your, your, top, your top five are pretty real, very solid. And then after that, I mean, there's holes in these guys' games. There's 
there's age in those in some of these guys. So I think you know Tim Kennedy was ranked tenth in the division, and he handled him pretty pretty well. Um, I think he could definitely be in the top ten um, right off the bat, and that's a division he could work his way in. It's not like he's starting from much better in the in the um, uh, welterweight division. He he was ranked. Ranked 11th before the fight in the welterweight division. So, at middleweight, I mean, he's going to be ranked around the same thing. He's got the same ladder to climb. Right. There's no advantage in either division where he would fare much better in 170 versus 185. But I just think from uh, maybe from a, a health standpoint, he's better off instead of having to cut Serious weight to get down to 170. He stays at 185, closer to his walk-around weight. And then f- for the UFC, there's there's somebody that they would be able to think reasonably this guy will be will be able to, to make the weight every single time. Well, and here's the other thing. This is what we're not even considering at this point. He's ma- Even if he makes the weight, it's a tough cut for him. To do that every time to your body, you may be losing something with that cut. That if you're fighting a guy 15 pounds heavier might not make that much of a di- as mm-hmm. much of a difference as the wear and tear you're putting on your body by making that cut every time. A difficult cut every single fight, uh, which is I think even if he makes all all of them, he'll still have he'll it'll still be a difficult cut. So he had he had uh, he faced off against Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy, his last fight was against uh, Romero um, two years ago. And that was a fight where Kennedy had him on the ropes. And, you know, Romero came from, I don't want to say he came from out of nowhere, but that was a um, a big reversal from from what had happened. I think that was a, a, a third-round knockout by Romero. But, um, I mean, Kennedy is somebody who, is a, a strong fighter, not just in terms of um, physicality, but in terms of skill. This guy's, you know, somebody to be, you know, forced to be reckoned with. And, and Gaslam handled him, I don't want to say fairly easy, but I made the comment a couple times where it almost seemed like Gaslam was um, kind of not disinterested, but just emotionless. And then in the next second, he you know, was able to break free of Kennedy's hold. Oh, yeah, yeah. When 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 Kennedy when Kennedy was holding him from behind, yeah. um, standing and, and wasn't letting go, and then he eventually just quickly just yeah. turned, spun spun around and broke out of it. Um the moving on, we, we have the only other thing I want to touch base with was Octagon247.com and MMA fancast, one of our favorites Drew Dober had a big had a big mm. match last night. Took a loss. Um, we we uh, we love you, Drew Dober. We uh, we wish the best for you. Get back on the saddle. Uh, we know you got um, that was a tough loss. I, I think, but you gotta you can bounce back from that, and you've done it before, and you will do it again, my brother. Um, just wanted to say that very quickly. We had. Um, can you believe? Donald Cerrone didn't get a performance bonus with that head kick oh. finish. I mean, that's how great of yeah. a car. I'm not saying he should have. I, I'm actually saying they should have given out more performance bonuses based on this card. Guys, this was a legit one of the best cards, best nights of fights. That, And it made new fans out of certain fighters made, made a, a, a whole host of new fans. So Definitely something you'll want to see. Moving along, um, you know, we, we touched on Donald Cerrone and his willingness to step in on short notice and fight all the time and not take breaks and all of that stuff. But we have a bit of a, uh, you know, a conundrum with, you know, his situation where he kind of um, went along with this fighter union Um or not really union, but fighter association. And, you know, that's basically saying, I'm not happy with my employer. I'm not happy with my situation. 
And, um, you know, I think that caught Dana White by surprise because these two have had a pretty good relationship, and, and or so Dana, Dana thought. And so I think um, before, before this weekend, which this weekend they were able to spend some time together and discuss it, but before this weekend, Dana was kind of perturbed about this, and he said, the only thing that I need to know is that uh, as far as MMAAA is concerned, which is uh, um, the fighter association that, that Cerrone was uh, linked to, he said, the only thing that I need to know is that the biggest scumbag in the history of combat sports, Bajork, is involved <laughs> in this thing. There are three unions out there right now battling against each other, and if you're a fighter, all those guys, all these guys are looking to get in your pocket. It's a business where guys are going to make money as a fighter. If this is what you want to do, you need to figure out whose hand you want in your pocket. I guarantee you, you don't want Bajork's hand in your pocket. And now, White obviously was kind of baffled that that Cerrone would, would be involved in this because, you know, Cerrone had gotten into some legal trouble. Um, he was on a boating trip and he got into trouble and, and Dana White, he called Dana White and Dana White was there for him. And he said, you know, he hired him a criminal defense attorney and paid out of Dana White's own pocket over a hundred thousand dollars. So Dana's thinking like, Hey, we've always been tight. I've always appreciated you. I've given you what you Ask me for, you've never dis voiced displeasure. Like, why are you going and doing something mm -hmm. like this? And so he said, I was shocked that Cerrone didn't give me a call. He has headlined three UFC events, never held a title in the WC or UFC a couple years ago. He was on his boat, and he gets into beef with a guy on another boat, and he's in big trouble. Who does he call? He calls me. What do I do? I go out and find him the best criminal defense lawyer and spend $100,000 of my own money. So when I see Cowboy standing up there with, was talking about with the MMAAA group, he's like, really? So then Bjorn, Bjorn, right? Bjorn, Bjork, Bjork. Bjork, we'll, we'll call him Bjork. <laughs> The jerk. The jerk. The jerk. Uh, Rebney says, um, so his quote, based on what what um, uh, Dana White said, was when the UFC got sold to WME, Dana White walked away with roughly $400 million. Every year prior to that, he was making an excess of $20 million a year. I'll say it again. Um, he, he repeated himself, and he said... Dana White just belittled Cowboy Cerrone and talked crap about a valiant warrior who has fought in the cage innumerable times and who, who fans love made close to $400 million. Talking about Dana White. That man, that gluttonous pig. And he got $20 million a year on average before that to run the UFC. And he's got the cojones to step up and to belittle Cowboy. How many fights did Dana have? How many times did Dana step in the cage in the WC and in the UFC? But he made close to $400 million when the organization was sold. Please, are you kidding me? That's that's a quote from Bjorn... Bjerk. Bjerk Rebney. And it's actually quite comical when you hear from fighters who fought for him at Bellator... Under his, under his leadership, um, which he was booted from, um, when you hear them talk about Rebney, they don't have very good things to say mm -hmm. about him. So how he's gotten involved with this and what his intentions are, and that all comes into question. But anyway, Cerrone, this is all before this past weekend, so Cerrone's fighting on the card. Dana White and him see each other. They 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 talk, and this is what Cerrone says after that. Cerrone, after speaking to Dana, says it, w it went very well. Uh, actually, it went very good. It wasn't a lunch. He just pulled me aside after the media scrum. We talked for about 15 to 20 minutes. He's a happy man, and I'm a happy man. We were just talking about what I wanted, like what I discussed with the media, and what he expected out of me. It went very well. He was 1,000% uh, receptive, definitely. We, we were always in a good place. It's like 
when you get in trouble and your dad uh, with your dad and they don't ground you but just tell you how disappointed they are which is even worse it's kind of what he did to me it was kind of like a slap in the face I should have let him know what I was going to get involved with it is what it is but we're on the up and up now thoughts thoughts um, I would just want to touch base on uh, Bajerk and what he said. And there's this talk about how Dana made all this money. Well, $20 million a year, who cares? You know, that's what um, that's what the UFC decided was fair pay for him. You know, Dana thought, you know, he was worth it. In my opinion, sure, I think he is. This is a guy that took the organization from basically nothing and had to fight so many state athletic commissions just to get approval. And now it's this international phenom when it comes to sports leagues. And everybody wants to see it. It's a draw no matter where you go. And somebody who, you know, like we talk about Terry Dactyl, who's a casual fan. Terry's, you know, knows plenty about this. And look how little or how much, you know, however you want to put it, he follows the sport. Dana, deservedly so, that $400 million, if that's the a right amount, he earned that. So I don't see you know, why Bajerk has the gall to call him out on that. And this is a guy who also, you know, from a personal standpoint, stands up for his fighters. And you hear the story about what he did with, with Cerrone. That's just one example. Because I guarantee you there's other things that have happened behind the scenes where Dana has done something for a fighter or maybe well, even... I, I think Dana, you know, as, as many stories you hear about Dana, when it all comes down to it, Dana can sometimes act like a jerk and act like immature and act, you know, whether it be with the media or with fighters or anyone who opposes him, he can act like a jerk. You take a look at Dana's reputation. Even his mother wrote a book about... Um, how much of a jerk Dana can be. So th- that could all Dana. Uh, there's two different sides to every story. I agree with you. This, his income has nothing to do right. with any of this. And that's where I was going with that. And there's a lot. So to me, I see sour grapes there. Mm-hmm. I see, you know, he was able to make all this money and, and I was running Bellator and they kicked me out and I, I didn't make all that money. And, and I wasn't able to run a company the way he's able to. And that's sour grapes to me. I'm sorry. So Right. And so he's going to try and take, put his hands into the pockets of Dana White. No, into the pockets of the fighters. Well. Because he wants to. But see, in, you know, inadvertently, it will be digging into Dana's cut or the UFC's cut because the fighters are going to want more money, which then takes back some money that would go to the organization because it's headed towards the fighters. And then in turn, Bajerk and his organization would reap the benefits. So that's his dig. That's his way of, you know, sticking it to Dana any way that he can. Listen, I'm not... I'm I'm on Dana's side on this. I'm not opposed to, like, a fighter's type of union. If that's what they think they need to do... Then, by all means, you got to do what what's what's best for you. Do I think that it's possible that you know MM, uh, UFC fighters should be paid more? Sure, maybe. I, I, yeah, let them worry about that. If that's what you're in your best interest, go do that. The problem I have is with Bajerk <laughs> coming into this picture, and he doesn't belong there. He's he is not. He is looking to. He's look, finding a way to make money, is what he's doing. Right, and it's ridiculous. And it and it's on the other side that he was a nasty force against when it, when he was on the other side. And it doesn't make sense why GSP, why Don Cerrone, why any of the group of guys, those five guys, uh, Cain Velasquez, any of those guys would believe that creep. Yeah, I think for Cerrone, you heard his comments. I think for Cerrone, he was looking at this as a way to to get more leverage. But 
I mean, the guy is, he's a performer. And he's doing this three, four, five times a year. He's And if he just continues to perform the way that he does, he's going to be getting performance bonuses consistently. So, I, you know, I was confused by why at, at him being involved in that. Some of the other fighters, GSP, I, I could see um, the storyline behind his involvement there. I can understand that. But when it comes down to it, Ryan, we're talking too much about this. And I think when this came up, um, initially the news broke about this. I said, for me, it was more of a distraction than anything else, whether it was going to be a benefit to the fighters or a hindrance to UFC, you know, in the end, for me, it's a distraction. And here we are again talking about it. I just want to see the fighters go out there, do what they do best, put on a show, and, you know, we're going to pull for our guys. And, you know, whatever that performance is, you know, good or bad, it's, you know, we just want to see these fighters getting in the octagon. In addition to the Saturday night UFC 206, we also had Friday night, uh, Friday or UFC Fight Night, which was the card in Albany, New York. Um, and headlining that card was Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis has really been impressive um, in his UFC career. He has put on some some tremendous shows he has been uh looked good doing it and um and this was actually one of his more lackluster performances would would you say uh yeah but when it came right down to it he did what he had to do to to keep himself relevant in that division not that he would have gone anywhere because we talked about this um last show with that division there's an opportunity for him to make some noise. In the end, that's what he did, and he he made a statement with uh, with his finish. So after, he, I mean, it was he was kind of getting uh, out boxed, uh, you know, out struck um, for much of the fight until the fourth round rolled around, and he finally got a takedown, and from there. It was all over, as um, our buddy uh, Goldberg would say. It, it was is all, all over. over. Speaking, <laughs> and 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 you know, want to move on quickly from Derek Lewis, but we're we're running short on time here. Speaking of Goldberg, it is looking like it's very possible that he might be on the outs. Our buddy Goldberg is on his way out the door. Yeah, I I really like him as an announcer. The, for me, one of the draws to a sporting event, uh, if I can't watch it live, if I can't be there in person, I want somebody to entertain me with their call of the action. For us here locally you know, in uh, in the Pittsburgh area. If you're listening to a radio broadcast of a Penguins game, we got one of the best announcers, I think, really in all of sports, in Mike Lang, in the way that he calls the play. And he he does it in a way that you can picture it in your mind exactly what's happening. Um, and he, he adds excitement with his goal calls, um, big hits. He's a colorful guy. He is a colorful guy. And for me, that's what Mike Goldberg does. I love the way that he calls the fights, you know, how he calls out the finishes. It's To me, he's part of the UFC trademark. And him and Joe Rogan together, I think, are a tremendous team. Dana, you know, made a statement about Rogan and how he said that he feels he's the best in the business. You know, but I I just see those two together as like a top team, and they've got this connection where they can play off of each other, and and in my opinion, it works very well. Well, and that's um, something that you know 
we're it's appearing that that could be coming to an end and and Dana White has made comments about um a, a dream team Rogan yeah, obviously right. being a part of that and and we don't know we could I mean I don't even know how to speculate um on who that other person might, might be but that um I feel like they're already in some type of contract negotiations or something. Dana White made made some comment to the effect of we're you know this deal's going to ha- um, we're going to make this deal happen. So that remains to be seen. Um another bit of news is Tyron Woodley he called out Nick Diaz mm-hmm. and um He's a smart guy. Well, absolutely, unless he gets his butt handed to him. Still, he he sets himself up for a money fight. Yeah, I mean, that's what he wants is a money fight. I think he's going to have to fight Wonderboy first. Right. So how do you think Nick Diaz feels about that, though? Because now Diaz is, he's like somebody who other fighters are going to start getting in this trash talk war with I think he's all right. I think he's all right with this call out. No, I don't yeah, I don't but, mean that in a bad but, way. But what I'm, I'm saying but what I think Nick Diaz wants, I don't think he he cares about that fight. I mean, it's for a belt, but I don't think he really I think he wants like the GSP fights. I think he wants the Anderson like those big money bouts is all that they want. All the Diaz brothers want at this point. Sure. They don't care about titles and anything like that. They want those huge fights, those big paydays, and they're willing to entertain for it. And to be quite honest with you, I think they, uh, I don't fault them for it. And I think they've, they've earned that. And if, uh, so let's, if we look past um, Woodley and Wonderboy 2 and we say that, Woodley wins, you know, hypothetically speaking, it's interesting, you know, I see this dynamic starting to play out where the champs, if they're able to continually perform and defend, are going to start calling their own shots. And we talked about Diaz and how him and McGregor... Bisping did it. Right. You know, so... That's nothing new. I mean, see, what... Before no, no, you started looking I at agree, super yeah. fights, before you started looking at super fights, the money fight was always the. I think like it's one is of the top contenders. Tremendous! I'm saying this is a good thing for the UFC. Well, it it does put a st- so the bad part, the 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 negative to that, is divisions kind of get get messy. Sure, and you have you're going to have a bunch of fighters waiting to get who are looking for title shots. And stuff like that, getting ornery, grumpy, and not wanting to deal with that. Well, so this is where Terry Dactyl would would fit in nicely in this show, because he's a huge TerryDactyl.com. Terry Dactyl is back now. Is TerryDactyl.com back on the books? Is that a possibility again? No, no, I no, think it's he retired. Dead. Okay, so yeah, sorry. Um, but but Dan would have something to say about this and how the WWE leverages that smack talk and that's a big part of their show and now the UFC and the fighters are starting to do that and we see you know Connor really took the lead on this um, and other fighters are starting to follow suit so to your point Ryan I do agree with you that it does kind of put you know some of the divisions in a little bit of uh, turmoil because now you introduce a fighter who is not a natural in the in you know X Y or Z weight division, but you have the champ calling him out, so that other fighter steps up, you know, to prove his worth, and you know not just in the ring, but you know that he's a smack talk king. So <clears throat> I see that then happening. I don't want to say in the lower ranks, but the guys that are jockeying for position you know, who are trying to move up in the ranks and get that title shot or at least be mentioned in contention, they're going to start doing that. They're going to start calling somebody out 
when they're standing there with Rogan or Anik and, you know, it's after the fight and they're, it's time for them to talk about their performance and they want to talk about who's next on their radar. And maybe it, you know, may not necessarily be um, what the UFC has eyeballed for them, but, but then those fighters are going to start looking for the money fights and going where the money trail is leading them. So I think this smack talk and the trash talk could be a, a benefit, a big benefit for the UFC. Yeah. Very well could be. And, uh, and it just, there's a buzz about those kind of fights. There's just a, a level of excitement that, you know, when you have two big names that normally wouldn't be in the cage together, there's, there's something special about that. It gets you closer to the super fight. Absolutely. Um, we have, later on in this week, we have a, a UFC on Fox card, which was headlined by Paige Van Zant and Michelle Watterson. And that should be a, a very good uh, fight. Paige Van Zant, I'm still up in the air on her. I think she's got a great uh, potential. But I still don't. I don't think she is. Um, I, I don't know that she's headliner material yet. But um, there's a solid couple, couple, quite a few fights underneath that that um, bring that card up as well. Uriah Faber, in his retirement bout, will be uh, fighting Brad Pickett. This card, I believe, is in California. Is it not? It is. It is. Um, so it'll be a hometown fight, home state fight for Uriah Faber. California boy wants to go out. California on. kid uh, fighting Brad Pickett, uh, the veteran Brad Pickett. And then our favorite fight of the night, which is Octagon 24-7's fighter. He's our our uh, amigo. He We, we admire him. And... and a lot of that goes to for he, several reasons. He wants to do what both of us want to do, and that's punch Terry Dacto in the face. <laughs> that's true. I mean that that's really what it comes down to. We can, we're on the same level with him. I even think Dan Altieri wants to punch Terry Dacto in the face. I think Terry <laughs> Dacto wants to punch Dan Altieri in the face. We should set that up. We should see set, see if we can get that to happen. Cage match. Yeah. We could do. Do we do it WWE style or UFC style? We could. I I like the cage match because the cage like match see... is b- both ways too. UFCs are in a cage. What about uh, and they could have a, a WWE ladder match. cage? Oh, oh, yeah, I'd love U- to see a, ladder a UFC match. ladder match. Yeah. The first ever. So on TerryDactyl.com, um, never mind. It's uh, never going to happen. That was, yeah. So Sage, Super Sage Northcutt versus Mickey Gull. Our guy, Mickey. Looking forward to it. Um, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. That is true. That is true. <laughs> So we're looking forward to that. Two weeks from, well, 13 days from that fight on December 30th, we're going to have UFC 207, the return of Ronda Rousey, a moment MMA fans all over the world have been waiting for. That's a card that's on a Friday night because... They don't want to have a New Year's Eve card, so it'll be Friday, December 30th. Looking forward to that. We will have tons, tons of content um, uh, previewing that fight because we will have a little extra time. And that is that is setting up to be a, shouldn't even say setting up to, but it is a very, very good card because the co-main is Cruz and Garbrandt. I mean, who's it's, that? Who's who's cruising Garbrandt? Dominic Cruz. Oh, I thought is, you said cruising Garbrandt. Like that was one person. It is well. It yeah. After Garbrandt smashes his face in, it might be no. Yeah, we, I we're, don't know. We're, we're big Garbrandt fans here. We we're, are. We, but we, this one, I'm not so sure about, because I'm not. 
Uh, We're going to get into it. We'll we'll get into it. We are over time. We got to wrap it up here. Thank you all for listening. Hey, one other thing I wanted to mention Octagon247.com, MMA Fancast on iTunes. Here's the deal, guys. We know you are listening, and yet we don't have um, iTunes reviews. And we need iTunes reviews to help get our product out there. So what we're going to do is the first five uh, five people that leave an iTunes review and email info at octagon247.com, the first five people will be entered into a drawing to win a shirt. So... Please, oh, shirts are sweet. Please write a review on iTunes for your opportunity to have a 20% chance of winning an Octagon 24-7 shirt. Thank you so much. We, uh, we're glad you joined us, and God bless.